This week, Dukang Gamers Yearly Wrap-Up. Welcome everyone to episode 10 of the Kong Gamers, and we finally reach our first two-digit episode, and I do apologize to everybody if I haven't been updating the podcast of recent, um, perhaps a month, I was gone for a little month, but I'm back and I missed you guys, I'm not really sure if you missed me, but I definitely missed doing the podcast. So yeah, um, this week is a little bit different from other weeks, uh, we won't be doing our highest score or... Um, game over segments. We'll just be talking about the year in general, um, how 2008 went actually, and what we're looking forward to to 2009. So um, I was really hoping to do the episode 10 um, of this podcast together with imaginary friend and Luke, as in this, the last episode. But you know, we were supposed to do it last week. Wow, we were supposed to do it last week, but um, we just ended up playing video games. So um, actually, we we're supposed to. Um, I brought my PS3 um, in Imaginary Defense um, Aunt's Place, and we were supposed to play this one game that we picked um, out of the shelf. So the plan was that we went to a local data blitz, uh, local video game store called Data Blitz, and um, actually pick up a PS3 game that we would later on play in the condominium and actually review afterwards in the podcast. But um, that didn't quite work out because we just ended up playing all the demos on a PS3 and just took turns playing the game we played. So, um, you know, uh, that all ended probably um, around 7 o'clock in the evening. And, you know, we were too lazy to do anything else. And we ended up not doing the podcast. But anyway, a shout out to um, Luke, an imaginary friend, for helping me out in episode 9. Uh, I hope you're doing well and hopefully we can do another episode soon. Actually, we were supposed to try doing it in Skype um, for this episode, but, you know, I thought perhaps that I should just yeah, do it by myself just so that I'm sure to have an episode this week. So anyway, um, I, um, I also wanted to give a shout-out to Nikki and Holocaust who posted on the, on, the, on the blogs, on the forums, on the whatever you call it, on the site. Thank you very much, and I do appreciate um, you responding and posting. And I actually just saw it this morning because I really have been out of it um, for the last month. I, w I went to Singapore, um, and you know how crazy the holidays are in the Philippines. It's really quite busy, and you know I had to entertain a lot of people during the holidays, and I really only had time to do the podcast now. Um, supposedly last week, but you know I only got to do it now. But anyway, so a shout out to you guys, and a shout out to everybody on PinoyXbox.com. Um, Care of Holocaust. I haven't gone to the, the site yet. Uh, um, Imaginary Friend has actually invited me over to the site a couple of times, but I haven't really gotten to doing that yet because, you know, I'm just a crazy bag of nothingness lately. I really don't know what to do, and I'm trying to um, manage my time better now. Okay, so enough of that, enough of that. So yeah, definitely want to talk about 2008 as a gaming year in general. So, actually, you know what, um, compared to 2007, which has been 
widely regarded as perhaps the best game, uh, the best year in gaming so far. Um, at the end of 2007, I actually was thinking that 2008 would be a lot better. I was really looking forward to games such as MGS4, Little Big Planet, and Final Fantasy XIII coming out this year. But of course, the, um, the, la- the last game, uh, Final Fantasy XIII, has not been um, released just yet. Um, quite soon, actually, first quarter, I believe, of 2009. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. First quarter of 2009. Um, but, you know, uh, that didn't happen. And to be honest, you know, I'll be talking about it later on. Um, Little Big Planet and MGS4 weren't enough to really, I guess, um, what's the word, uh, to really, I guess, take the ball from 2007 as being the greatest year in gaming. A um, couple of other games came out that were pretty significant, Fallout 3 perhaps, but I'm not much of a Fallout fan. I actually only knew the series existed when Fallout 3 was announced um, back I don't know, in 2007, 2006, perhaps. Um, so there you go. Um, so yeah, I'll be talking about my top five games of the year, and in true Dokong Gamer fashion, we'll be doing it doing it a little differently from other sites and other you know um, podcasts and everything. Um, usually other podcasts would have the luxury and the benefit of actually playing all these games that came out, at least the significant games that came out in 2008 or this past year. Um, some games that I have missed uh, would be definitely... That would have been in my top five, I, I would think, if I was able to afford them, was probably Rock Band 2, perhaps Fallout 3, maybe Fable 2, and all these other games that came out that just escaped me right now. Um, perhaps even Pixel Junk Eden has been given a lot of praise in 2008. Um, a lot of people like... Um, uh, what do you call it? Wipeout? HD, a lot of people like Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, a lot of people have been talking about, um, what's this game, Years of War 2, of course, um, Resistance 2, and all of those games that I completely missed during the year, just because I didn't have a lot of money to spend on them. So, in a little Dokkan Gamer twist, what we'll do now is talk about the five games that I played this year, which I enjoyed the most. So... Regardless of what year the game came out, I, I can't talk about it, and I'm free to talk about it, and I will be talking about it. So, um, let's just talk about probably the five games that didn't make the cut, um, to be honest, first. Because at first I was making a top ten, then I decided to just make a top five, just to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, because a lot of the ti- uh, some of the titles I have uh, on my top five didn't actually come out this year, come out, came out, they came out years ahead. So yeah, um, let's talk about the five games that didn't really make the cut that were in my top ten, supposedly. And that would include Professor Layden for the DS, um, Dead Space, actually, um, Shadow of the Colossus, which is one of the games that came out a lot earlier, but I only played this year. And, of course, Little Big Planet and MGS4. And I'll be talking about those last two first. Um, and only those, actually, only those two I'll be talking about. Only those two. Um, so why didn't LBP... Um, our MGS4 make it. Well, let's start with LBP first. Um, in as much as I love the game, the strength of the game for me isn't really the impact that it gives you outright. Um, while it is very, very ambitious, its ambition is really in the longevity of the game, how long its legs really are. And I think it will be in my top, perhaps, 10 games of all time. Um, but, you know, just not my top 
five games of 2008. And it's a very, very well-designed game. I, I love what Media Molecule wanted to do with the game. But again, um, I guess the, the what really makes it a great game is a level editor. And I just didn't have that much time to play around with it last year. Um, you know, I haven't even really made a level at all. Uh, it just, I guess, takes too much time. And I don't know, I've been busy with other things. And, you know, um, just trying to do those things first. And I just didn't really have that much time to play LBP. Or really, you know, um, recognize it for how good a game it is. And that what it has done to change the industry and to move it forward. So yeah, definitely, still, probably in this whole 10 games I'll be talking about, LBP would have the most staying power of all of them, and perhaps I would give the most credit to in terms of, you know, really opening the eyes of gamers and really trying to do something different. So as for MGS4, and as much as I do love the MGS franchise, MGS4, to me, unlike other people, and it has won top game of the year um, in some people's eyes and in some websites and podcasts, but... You know, really, MGS4 for me just really fell a little bit short. It was way too much cutscenes, way too much non-playing aspects that, you know, it, it really actually sort of bored me in a way. Um, you know, uh, not to say that I didn't like it, it isn't in my top 10 games, but, you know, I guess I was just too disappointed in the game to make me, you know, give it a higher rank or make me allow it me to put it in my top five um my top five games were really just games that really surprised me and never disappointed me but i guess mgs4 in as much as it is the best the most amazing production most amazing game in terms of production last year um bar none for me at least for the games that i played but you know it just disappointed me in other aspects such as gameplay perhaps the design the story the bosses even that you know, uh, it just fell short. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I played it and finished it within a week. But, you know, uh, just a lot of things that disappointed. And I guess that's why it's just merely in my top ten. So there you go. So top five games of the year. In order, um, from five to one, in reverse order, I would give my top five slot to Mirror's Edge. So um, a lot of people are actually quite haters of Mirror's Edge and everything. But, you know, as I mentioned in... My previous episodes, I really do like the aesthetic of Mirror's Edge, and I do like how it changed things, and sort of, you know, pe- how people hated it is really the same reason why I like it, because these people, I believe, I, I mean, I do respect their opinion, but I believe, you know, they just didn't give it a chance, they just wanted to look at the flaws of it, like the combat and everything, but they didn't really want to sort of see how amazing the game is, um, what it tried to do. It's kind of like, for me, I think, um, Shadow of the Colossus, which, you know, had amazing gameplay and everything, um, but it had pretty, you know, unorthodox, or even other people would argue terrible controls. So, you know, you know, excellent games aren't, don't necessarily have to be perfect. They can be very, very good in certain aspects and just perhaps falter in others. I mean, I also know that Eco... While I haven't played it, did have problems with control and stuff like that. But you know, it didn't stop it from being great. So, 
Um, I don't know, maybe because it's from EA or something, supposedly the most horrible capitalistic um, video game company in the world. That's why people don't, are haters of Mirror's Edge. There are a lot of lovers as well, but, you know, Mirror's Edge, for me, just really did something different to the FPS genre. A genre which, for me, is completely, I don't know, oversaturated already, and people just do the same things, tack on some things, and just try to make it sort of different, but Mirror's Edge really just took that bar and really branched away from the normal traditional FPSs. And actually, as I mentioned before, it's not really an FPS. It just took that FPS aesthetic, um, the way you play it, I mean, more so. But, you know, just turned it around and made a very, very good, for me, racing simulation game. And the only one of its kind, because you actually race people. You, you race yourself, and it's more of a time trial thing. But, you know, it would be cool, actually, right now, I just thought about it. It would be cool if they had, like, a multiplayer racing sim for this game. Um, I know it's not all that possible, because there are a lot of bottlenecks in the game that only one person can go through, but, I don't know, it might be an idea. But yeah, that, Mirror's Edge definitely cemented on my top five this year, because it just surprised me enough, and I j- enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I finished it within a few days, a week maybe, and it was cool. I actually had to artificially, you know, lengthen my gameplay because I enjoyed it so much. So, okay, um, next, actually, um, from all those games, I would probably give it to Call of Duty 4. Yes, I don't know, you know, if people agree with me, but, you know, I only... I I played it last year, definitely. Um, I played it in 2007. um, Played through the single-player campaign, but only... This year, I mean last year, did I ever play the multiplayer game um, together with my office mates. It was a lot of fun, actually. Um, it was not very imbalanced, meaning people who had experience in FPSs can't really own beginners like me in multiplayer stuff. I mean, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, um, the arcade feel of it is very, very good. It's not like Counter-Strike wherein you had to you know, wait until you respawn again. This was just a lot of fun, and, you know, um, I just had a blast doing run-and-gun tactics. I died the most, most of the time, but I also got really, really high scores, mostly, um, because of the number of kills and perhaps captured flags. So that was a lot of fun, actually, Call of Duty 4. Uh, I still am amazed at how good the engine of that thing is. I mean, how quickly... You know, the game runs, um, how flawlessly the multiplayer runs, and just how good the experience is. It's definitely very, very well designed. Um, so, you know, yeah, Call of Duty 4 for my number 4. And then my number 3 game would probably be Guitar Hero 3. So, why Guitar Hero 3? Again, another old game, 2007 release. Um, this would have been Rock Band 2 if I had Rock Band 2, but actually, you know, if I had Rock Band 2, it would probably be my top one game. But since it is Guitar Hero 3, it's a little old, I'm getting a little tired of the songs, really, but it still gave me a lot of mileage this year. Played it a lot, definitely much more than even Call of Duty, um, MGS4, and Mirror's Edge and everything. Definitely, definitely in my top five as number three. Um, so yeah, Guitar Hero 3, basically. Number 2 is going to be a surprise for everybody, I suppose. 
it's actually Warcraft 3, um, particularly Dota, Defense of the Ancients. Um, this is a game, you know, um, I never would have played before, but because the office, the office mates played a lot of it, then, you know, I jumped in and enjoyed it quite a lot, actually. Um, it's the first time I ever really played it. Whenever I played Bnet before, I couldn't really get into Dota because I just kept being owned, kept being first-blooded and everything, um, because I guess the connection isn't very good here in the Philippines, or at least our internet connection isn't very good. There's a lot of lag all the time. So, really, the only games I was able to play in Bnet were Tower Defense and, you know, one-on-ones, basically, the usual skirmishes, and some other games that really didn't um, require a lot of precision timing, such as Dota. But, you know, when you play LAN games with Office Mates, then there is no time lag or anything, and you could really, you know, the, the Office Mates are very kind enough to really, you know, show me the ropes and tell me what things to buy. And it was a lot of fun. Um, actually, I just played um, one-on-two game earlier, with a computer, just a computer, actually, because I couldn't really find any games in Bnet, and I'm afraid of being kicked out because of my lag. Um, so, my hero is Mortred for anybody who is interested. I don't know, and you know, I just like late game characters. It was just a lot of fun, um, especially when you're playing with a lot of people. It's not really a game I would play by myself. Meaning, you know, if my office mates weren't there. I guess this game would have been unknown to me still, but since, you know, we really have a lot of fun, we scream a lot in games, we um, call each other names a lot during the game, and that's really what made this game so high in my list. Um, it's just that interaction with other people, with actual people, that really, really made it a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I'm more of a single-player guy, actually, but... You know, I do remember how much fun Street Fighter 2 was back in the day whenever you played with a, with a real human being and could trash talk and could really tell yourself how skilled you are in the game. And, and Dota is definitely that game for me. Similar to Call of Duty, of course, but, you know, we just played a lot more of Dota and, I don't know, um, for some reason... I don't know, actually, you know what, it, it could go either way. It's just that we played... Not a hell of a lot more than we did COD, but if we did play COD for a lot more than we did Dota, then, you know, the places in my top five, there are places in my top five would probably switch. So it really was not really Dota as a game, per se, but more so the experience I had playing with other people that really made it a great game this year. I know it's a very old game, but you know what? Warcraft 3 has definitely been my best purchase game ever. Um, I've had so many R's in this game. Definitely much, much more than any other game I've ever played. Um, and I own two copies of it. I own the Collector's Edition of Warcraft, um, and I own a regular version of it because my Collector's Edition disc got scratched and I couldn't really install it anymore, so I had to buy another game. Then, of course, I have Frozen Throne. Um, so yeah, definitely Warcraft 3 cemented number two. And very, very close to number one, to be honest. But my number one um, game of the year, and hopefully there is a drum roll here. Maybe I can find a sound bite somewhere in the internet. So drum roll, please. Number one game of the year for the Kong Gamer is Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater. Uh, <laughs> it's weird, really, um, how this very, very old game is actually my top game for the year. Um, very, very simple, really. 
it just was the most surprising for me. It was just the most enjoyable game for me. Much, much more than MGS4. Um, the quintessential MGS experience for me really is MGS3. Um, for a lot of reasons, I think the gameplay just really blew away MGS4. It was just more consistent. There was just a lot... You know, you were pretty much doing the same thing, unlike in Metal Gear 4, wherein you... I don't know, spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't played through Metal Gear 4, probably skip, I don't know, 20 seconds ahead when you fight um, Metal Gear Rex, when you um, be a spy and everything. You know, I don't know. Um, and as much as that sort of breaks the pacing of the game and makes it more interesting and varied, um, I think it was pretty much tacked on. It seemed like mini-games, you know what I mean? Um, instead of really the quintessential MGS experience, which is just sneaking, killing your, your, your enemies, or not killing your enemies at all, not being detected. And I think that core mechanic of MGS is really what makes MGS very, very, very good. And I saw a lot of that in the MGS 3. Also, another problem, I guess, that I had with MGS 4 is the fact that Drebin's there. Um, you know, I know it kind of gave it a Resident Evil 4 feel that you can just buy weapons at any time. Actually, it took um, the merchant in Resident Evil 4 to a different level, actually, because he could buy all the time from Drebin, which to me is sort of spoon-feeding everybody. And I didn't actually quite like it because part of the thrill of MGS really is acquiring all your weapons from, you know, downed enemies, from bosses and everything, and getting bullets that you know will run out eventually. But with Drebin around, you could just buy ammo, whatever you want, just use and spam one gun forever and just play it, you know? Um, I, I saw myself, once Drebin came out, buying a sniper rifle and putting a muzzle on it and basically killing everybody, and, you know, that's just the type of MGS player I am. I'm not much of a sneaker, I kill everybody. And with Drebin there, um, you know, it just kind of destroyed the whole fun of MGS3. You know, it's spoon-feeding. I know you don't have the option of doing that, but because you do, of course I used it, um, else, you know, I wouldn't really experience MGS4 as MGS4. Um, it is part of the design, so I had to utilize it, but I didn't really enjoy it that much as I did MGS3, which really, I guess, give, gave you limited options, but as a whole experience, it is just well, well made. Um, MGS4 seemed to be this, you know, Frankenstein of a game, so you had your cinematics as a different aspect. You had Drebin as a different aspect, and your weapon customizations as a different aspect. You had certain levels that were completely different from the MGS core mechanic and everything. While other people like that, and definitely I can see that because everybody loves it, and a lot of people like it over MGS3. I, to me, I just really like my games simple. I really like my games to be very concentrated and focused, and really explore just one certain mechanic and just take it to different levels. Um, and that, to me, that game was MGS3. The story was a lot cleaner. There was not a lot of expla explaining to be done. And I don't really like all this nano machine BS that MGS4 keeps talking about. And quite honestly, I still did not understand the story of MGS as a whole after MGS4. I know it sort of filled a lot of holes and everything, but, you know, still lacking to me. It was just a lot of deep, you know, just wanting to be deep stuff. 
um, while I did understand it, I just, you know, I mean, you understood what happened, but definitely there's just so many details that you're sure you didn't understand it completely. Whereas in MGS1, wherein I guess it helps that it is an, uh, a prologue to everything, um, it does, you know, it was it started off a lot cleaner. Um, the characters were a lot more charming to me, too. I mean, Eva, as a younger woman, of course, is definitely a lot more appealing than an older Eva uh, in MGS4. Um, and, you know, again, just really another big factor is the boss fights. Um, bar none, some of the best um, boss fights ever in a game were found in MGS3. I mean, I like um, the fear, I like the end, most definitely, um, and I like uh, fighting the boss, uh, the boss in, in the end as well. Whereas in MGS4, I didn't really like playing any of the bosses, to be honest. They didn't have a lot of character. The, you know, especially Crying Wolf, uh, the sniper thing, after having played the end, that was just so disappointing, to be honest. Um, it was actually... Uh, I didn't like it the most, actually. Um, because it was just so easy. Um, it took a while, I suppose, killing um, Crying Wolf, but it was pretty easy. I mean, just snipe, I just sniped my way through the whole thing, and I won. Done. Um, where, uh, while, you know, Crying Wolf was sort of frustrating in that it didn't live up to the end's caliber of a boss fight. What frustrated me even more was, um, what was that, Raging Raven, was it? Um, the flying one? Because I really didn't know how to kill her at first, and it just took me a very, very long time to kill her. And I didn't enjoy myself, to be honest. I mean, you know, it wasn't very fun going around and shooting her and shooting her flying thingies. It just wasn't all that fun. While, you know, I did take an R and R 30 minutes to kill the end the first time, it was a lot of fun just trying to figure out how to kill this dude. It was definitely frustrating, but frustrating just enough. But, you know, playing Crying Wolf, playing Raging Raven, ugh, so annoying. If ever there was a very good um, boss fight, I would actually give it to Screaming Mantis. But even that, you know, Psycho Mantis in the first game was still much, much better than that. And, you know, it's that comparison that you can make with MGS4 to the other games, meaning MGS3 and MGS1, because I didn't, I don't really care for MGS2 even. Um, that really made me very disappointed in MGS4 and just made MGS3 shine all the more because it is a previous-gen um, game. It didn't have 1080p graphics, but, you know, as a game, it just was so very, very well-designed. Um, and, I don't know... Um, yeah, MGS4, I guess, was just a lot of spoon-feeding. Your camo changes automatically and everything. And, you know, it, it's just so much more difficult to get the, you know, um, bandana and infinite and stealth camo as they were in MGS3. Um, you know, 5R run without alerts is just so impossible for me. I've never played MGS without any alerts, and I don't plan to. But, you know, the Karatons and everything in MGS3 was just perfect for me. I mean, as an MGS player who likes to shoot things, that gameplay to me was a lot better. And that's why MGS3, to me, is the best game of the year. Um, other reasons for that is because it's an old game, and it still really, really lives up and actually surpasses MGS4 to me. 
and that probably is the reason why it propelled itself to the top of my list this year because it just was the most surprising game ever to me and I can enjoy it by myself and you know like I just said I am a single player guy so there you go um, that is my top 5 for the year um, Mirror's, just to wrap up number 5 Mirror's Edge number 4 Call of Duty 4 number 3 Guitar Hero 3 number 2 Warcraft 3 particularly Dota and number 3 most definitely cemented up there is MGS3 Solid um, Snake Eater so yeah um while that is 2008 in review, I also do want to talk about the games I'm looking forward to this coming year. Um, at least the ones off the top of my head. And, you know, I listed it down. There are, there are four of them only. I wanted to go for five, but, you know, if the game doesn't come to my head immediately, then I just disregard it. Um, so the top five, four games I've found, um, funnily enough, are pretty... are all acronyms. So... I don't know if you guys are familiar. Maybe you can guess as as I go through them. So, in no particular order, of course, um, there is SC, 2, FFXIII, SF4, and RE5. So, I guess everybody would understand all of that now. So, definitely, definitely StarCraft 2, Final Fantasy 13. Street Fighter 4, and Resident Evil 5. All of those games are having me drooling over them. I'm really, really looking forward to SF coming out very, very soon, because um, if I haven't mentioned it before, I think Street Fighter 2 really was the game that made me into a gamer and a serious gamer, because that's when I really spent on my games. I really felt just how much it costs to play a game, and, you know, that made me invest myself in video games in itself. While, you know, I always played, I played NES games at the time, but, you know, Street Fighter 4 was really the game that took me, that, you know, sucked me into being a gamer and never made me go. I mean, I guess next to, perhaps, um, Warcraft 3, it is the game that I played the most as well. Um, it's the game that I mastered back in the day when I was 10 years old, and I was beating up people who were 3 years older than me without even breaking a sweat. So, yeah. Um, so, definitely, I'm really looking forward to Street Fighter 4 because it is, um, you know, uh, as the designers have admitted, um, it is a, you know, they're going back to the old and tried and true ways of playing SF. They're not really combo... Well, yes in a way, combo-based still, but not as crazily combo-based as Marvel vs. Capcom and all these other games, and not as hardcore as Street Fighter 3. Um, so I, I'm really, really excited about that. A lot of people have dissed it for being too much of a Street Fighter 2 clone, that it doesn't really deserve the number 4. But, you know, for me, it is a very, very good you know, um, step for Capcom, and it will definitely give them an edge this year. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to buying that game for my PS3 and perhaps uh, have a really, really nice TV to come with that too because, man, um, just, you know, a gripe about SD format. I couldn't really see anything in MGS4. I couldn't see the X on the upper right that would signal flashbacks. I couldn't see uh, the items I picked up. Oh, they were, were just a blur and everything, but when I played it in 1080p, wow, so, so good. 
Anyway, um, really looking forward to playing my PS3 games on an actual HD TV or at least a computer monitor. So Street Fighter 4, um, I love the aesthetics. I, love the- I just love fighting games to begin with. I know they're a little lackluster of late, and the FPS has definitely um, surpassed it as the top genre of this day and age. But you know, Street Fighter 4 will definitely have an impact on that, and. I just love traditional 2D fighters more than I do um, 3D fighting fighting games. So, yeah, SF4. Um, Resident Evil 4? Ah, Resident Evil 5, I should say. Um, definitely another Capcom game that I'm looking forward to a lot. Um, if it is just another MGS4, then I don't see anything wrong with that. I think they have changed it up enough by adding... Um, what's her name? I forgot her name. Shiva. Shiva. And by adding Shiva, um, if they do maintain all the other core mechanics of MGS4, um, sorry, <laughs> of um, Resident Evil 4, and just, you know, added a co-op play with Shiva and Resident Evil 5, then I think it is going to be a change enough to make it a different game, but still very, very familiar. So, you know, um... I don't know what else can I say about Resident Evil aside from what what has already been said. It's a beautiful game, very very gorgeous. I mean, wow! You know, I've never seen I guess lighting effects as good as that as I guess since Crisis and perhaps Far Cry 2. But it's done in such a stylistic way. It's not Resident Evil has never been a realistic realist. It never tried to be all that realistic. It was always little bit caricaturish, and that gave it a very, very consistent look, a very, very good um, art aesthetic that, to me, that resonates very, very much to me, and, you know, it's just very, very well made. Um, uh, Unlike, perhaps, Crisis or Far Cry 2 that tries too much to be um, realistic, um, to me, the stylized look of Resident Evil far, you know, makes it a more gorgeous game than these two games. Um, so, I mean, you know, I just enjoyed Resident Evil 4 a whole lot and look forward to playing a lot more of that. Um, Resident Evil 4 is a game that I have two copies of, GameCube and Wii. Um, I played through it 100%, got all the weapons that are possible. Um, but I, I don't know, I, I never played through the game. I don't think I got everything. I didn't play through the game given a time limit or anything, but it still was one of the games that I completed you know, almost 100%, if you could say that. Um, but yeah, um, so I'm really looking forward to something else that that team turns out, and Resident Evil 5 seems to be that very, very, very great game that, you know, you know, it's kind of like um, my experience with MGS3 and Metal Gear 4 as well, that, you know, I just played Reson- um, Metal Gear 3 recently, and whenever I looked at MGS4, I didn't really see, you know, I guess the greatness that I found in MGS3. I mean, I could be mistaken, maybe I'm just, you know, making this up as I go right now. But, you know what I mean, in, in hindsight, it seems that Metal Gear 4 really tried to do something different from what MGS3 was. But what I wanted was more MGS3. I mean, I like that it had um, CQC and MGS4 too, but... The similarities... I mean, what I liked about MGS3 ended there on MGS4. But it seems that MGS5 is a direct 
you know, um, evolution of MGS4 and just really them iterating the game to make it much better than an already almost perfect game for me. And, you know, a lot of people really, really like MGS4 and have regarded it as one of the best games of all time, perhaps, and I do agree with them wholeheartedly. Um, Probably MGS4 and MGS3 are also there in my top 10 games of all time, together with probably Street Fighter 2 and other games. So, you know, uh, that's why I'm really looking forward to um, Resident Evil 5. Um, and of course, you have Final Fantasy 13. Um, I have always been a Square fan as well, when they were still called Square, at least. Um, uh, Final Fantasy 7, to me, I know it as the game I look I most look forward to ever. I waited two years for that game. And I still am a Final Fantasy fan. The only Final Fantasies I don't own are Final Fantasy X, um, is that how you call it? Or X2. And I don't have Final Fantasy XI either. Nor do I have um, Final Fantasy I-6. So, but, you know, um, that's why MG, um, Final Fantasy VII was such a big thing for me, a big deal for me. Um, uh, you know, it, it was the Final Fantasy to me. It was just so nostalgic. And, you know, that's, that nostalgia carries on until now. And Final Fantasy has always been a very good series, actually. Um, so I'm really... I mean, Final Fantasy thirteen just looks very, 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 very good. Um, and even that alone will make me buy the game. But knowing how... You know, every Final Fantasy that comes out is significantly different from the previous Final Fantasies that come out. And the only thing they usually share is that certain aesthetic of steampunk-ish fantasy kind of thing. Um, and now I guess they're going for more modern, a more modern look. The only thing that really ties these games together is really the title. But if you look at uh, Final Fantasy 7 um, to 8, the material system is definitely different from Junction. I believe it's called Junction System in Final Fantasy 8. And definitely Final Fantasy 12 was a departure from everything because it had a gambit system where you basically programmed your characters to do all this shit for you. And could probably automatically kill anything in the game. So, you know, I'm really, really excited with this game because I know that Square is going to do something radically different than they did in previous games. I am not a fanboy of Final Fantasy per se, but I really do know how this team operates and how much they really try to change things up. While sometimes they don't work, i.e. Final Fantasy XI, that they just made a multiplayer experience, which I never played, actually. Um, You know, that in itself, you know, um, game companies, game developers, just doing something different and doing something different well is enough for me to want to buy their game. And that's why Final Fantasy XIII is well up there on my list of most anticipated games of 2009. Um, And of course, last but definitely not least, is probably the game that will surpass... um, Warcraft 3 for me, it's Starcraft 2. Um, although probably the hero mechanic of Warcraft 3 is more suited with my, you know, RTS playing style because I guess it's the only one that I really quote-unquote mastered. Um, I think that the departure from the hero-centered and RPG-ness of Warcraft 3 is going to be, you know, the true RTS experience for me, which is... Starcraft 2, um, and, you know, 
I'm just really looking forward to the map editor as well and want to, you know, um, get my hands um, with that level editor and perhaps put models in them and practice my own trade and everything. Um, which I could have done with Warcraft 3, but I guess, you know, the release of StarCraft 2 will, you know, heighten my want to do that even more. Um, Tato, and what else really made this really one of the most anticipated games for me is, well, it's Blizzard. Blizzard is just known to release every single release of Blizzard since Warcraft 2 has always been a very, very, very good game, um, without a doubt. It, they have a spotless record, to me, at least, from ever since I knew them. And I have mentioned before that they, they are my new square. The game company that could not do any wrong. And I think they will not do any wrong for StarCraft 2, nor will they do any wrong for Diablo 3, because they just have so much backing. I mean, this company is one of the rare companies that are able to do anything they want, to take as much as they want to release a perfect game. I mean... Aside from their success with WoW and how much money that churns for them every single month, millions and millions of dollars every single month, and no game has been have has generated this much profit for any company to me at least. I don't think so. I, I don't think I don't see how it's possible. It's like these 11 million, 12 million subscribers spent on a game on the same game every single month, dude. Every single month. And that is just insane. And how old is this game already? Three, four years already? And every single month, it generates that much revenue for for Blizzard. I mean, amazing, amazing. And, you know, it's one of those times that I really don't mind developers really spamming um, a certain game. Um, meaning, you know, just to make an example, in sports games, like, um, the live games, the 2K games, the Madden games that come out with the game every single year. That, to me, is sort of, um, you know, unreciprocated, I guess, spamming of games. It's just really the same game, anyway. And they, the com- these companies just know that it'll sell a lot, and that's why they keep making games and iterating them eh, ever so slightly and, this, you know, modifying them a little bit. But, you know... That I find sort of offensive because you're trying to just capitalize on it, on the people who are addicted to these games. But in terms of, wow, I think that kind of spamming is sort of um, justified in that whenever they do release a new wow um, expansion pack, it is significantly different. And definitely an up, it really is like trying to buy a new game or what. And, you know, the experience of... An MMO is definitely a lot richer and a lot more justified than, you know, I guess a game that just changes in numbers at the end, like 2008 to 2009 or whatever. Um, and, of course, it's even further justified in that it fuels Blizzard's efforts to make games, other games, such as War, uh, StarCraft and Diablo 3. And, you know... If they can pour all that resources into those two games, then we have other, um, you know, winners again. Um, games that will be in everybody's top tens for all time, ever. I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of speechless in just how amazing this company really is. And the fact that they even teamed up with Activision now, the richest company, publisher, 
now, I mean, surpassing even EA, then, you know, <laughs> Blizzard just has all this luxury to make amazing, amazing games. And it's just that, you know, macro, uh, fatter, uh, <laughs> fact of the matter is they really do make good games. And to me, it justifies all the capitalistic tendencies they might have. Um, for as long as they keep delivering very good games, games that actually get updated, unlike most other games, you know, because I guess their gameplay is very much balance-centric, but whatever Blizzard is doing very, very, you know, well that other ca- companies aren't, I hope they continue doing it and turn out a lot more high-quality games, because, you know, even if StarCraft, Wings of Liberty, and I don't know what the other expansion... Um, I don't know what you call them, actually. Um, other versions of the game, even if they are trying to milk us of a lot of money that basically StarCraft 2 is three games that you have to buy all uh, separately to enjoy the whole StarCraft 2 experience. I think that's very, very much justified because, you know, Blizzard has not let me down yet. I do have all the games I've released so far, except for WoW. Um... I mean, ever since Warcraft 2, I have Warcraft 2, I have Warcraft 3, I have Warcraft 3 expansion, I have Diablo 1, Diablo 2, even the Diablo 1 expansion, I have the Diablo 2 expansion, of course, and I will definitely get um, Starcraft 2, all three versions, if not the Collector's Edition and Diablo 3. So, anyway, um, why Starcraft 3, ah, sorry, Starcraft 2 is in my top uh, top four or in my list of most anticipated games because it's just Blizzard and you know it's gonna be good you know you're gonna have more than your money's worth with this game so yeah there you go um that's basically my wrap up for the the year um really looking forward to all the games that will be coming out this year and perhaps perhaps I really do hope that um 2009 will be an even better year than 2008 and more optimistically be an even better year than 2007. I mean, if certain games such as Diablo 3 and perhaps Bioshock 2 do somehow make it out in 2009, then, oh my god, it will be the best year of gaming, bar none. And I will call that right now. So again, I do apologize to everybody if, you know, I wasn't around for the last month. Hopefully you guys will continue listening and I will be more diligent in doing these episodes. And perhaps next week I will be talking about my experience with the PS3 game we bought last week, which was Prince of Persia. So looking forward to doing that episode next week. Um, Just a little, you know, um, some credits I want to give. I believe I will be playing... um, House of Goo. I played the House of Goo um, music track in the beginning of the show, and I just want to give kudos to the people who did um, World of Goo. I mean, even the OST is definitely worth whatever World of Goo is worth. And the thing is, it's free, guys. It's free. So if you haven't gotten the World of Goo soundtrack yet, you can go to their website or check. Just you know, type in World of Goo soundtrack, and you will find that a free download to anybody who likes really, really good soundtracks and games, especially. It's just very, very good, guys. I mean, um, if I had a credit card, I would buy this game, but I don't. We get, and so that's why I don't have games such as Pixel Junk Eden and everything. Oh, just, you know, um, a quick note. If demos could, you know, be part of my top 10 in 2008, I would have probably put the pure demo and Naruto demo as well. Um, those were games I just really, really enjoyed and 
really prompted me to buy these games, but, you know, I just have other games that I want to play more than I want to play them. Games that, you know, while these games, like Pure and Naruto, really give me a lot of fun, I really do try to pick the games that I think are more revolutionary, that are more, you know, contribute more to the industry, and, you know, will be able to contribute to my sense of game as well. So, you know, um... Those games, very, very good. Pure is like the next wave race to me. And Naruto is just, I guess, I don't know, a very well done anime fighter, which I've never played before. So those games do deserve some sort of recognition, honorable mention, I guess, for top games of 2008. And Pixel Junk Eden, I would have bought if I had a credit card. Braid, I would have loved to purchase that too. Um, And other games, of course... 2008 was the game of that uh, was the year of downloadable games and hopefully it will continue on this year so again um i would like to encourage you guys if you like good music if you like world of goo if you like to support a lot of independent um developers then yeah go ahead and download the soundtrack it's very very cool and as you have heard and we'll hear after the show and hopefully i'll see you guys next week um again a happy New Year to everybody. Happy 2009. Kong Hei Fat Choi to anybody Chinese out there or who just like celebrating Chinese New Year um, together with them. And again, thank you um, for any comments, critiques, or anything. Remember, it's dokang.gamer at gmail.com. And I do encourage everybody to post on the forums as well. So if you like what we're doing, just encourage us and everything. And hopefully I'll have more guests this time around. Um, there you go. So... Thanks, see you guys, and I'll see you next week.
said about 